Thank you, guys. I'm honored to be here. And if I could tell you guys anything, it's that everyone is pursuing something. Not everyone is pursuing the right thing. Husbands in the room, how many of you remember what it was like when you first started to pursue your wife? See, I remember what that moment was like for me. I had received a phone call from a friend of mine asking me to go play sand volleyball. Now for me, I like sports, but volleyball has never really been my sport. I've never been a big volleyball fan, but I do enjoy hanging out with my friends. And like I said, I had a little bit of interest in this girl. And so I thought I'd ask who was going to be there. And as they begin to list the names of people that were going to be there, they said her name. And instantly I became the world's biggest volleyball fan. Like I was like, oh yeah, count me in. I'm going to be there. I'm ready. I was excited. So I showed up to play sand volleyball that night with my friends. And I had every intention that night to catch her eye. I had every intention to impress her. That was my goal for the night. You see, while everyone else would have been pursuing these silly wins that wouldn't matter a couple hours later, I was pursuing something that was going to last. I was trying to pursue my future wife. So that's what I had my intentions on. And as the game got started, this girl and I were on opposite teams, which was a bummer for me because if we're on the same team and she's right next to me, I can kind of talk to her, you know, maybe ask for some tips, whatnot, you know, do what I can to flirt with her. But now we're on opposite sides, so she's all the way over there. So I had to get creative. I had to think. How many of you have done something crazy or even I say stupid to get someone's attention before? Because that's what I had to do. I had to think creatively. I had to think outside the box. So I remembered as the game started, I called her out. I started to trash talk in the most flirtatious way I could. But here's the thing. I failed to account for two things. One, this girl was borderline a volleyball pro. I'm saying she played for seven years. She was on travel teams, played in tournaments, and I had never really played volleyball before. <laughs> but I still called her out. I was still talking trash. Again, as flirtatious as I could. I told her, I was like, I'm right here all night long. I'm, I'm right here all night long. Serve it my way. You know, she was up first. So I was like, send it my way. Nothing's getting past me. And so I remember that moment. She gave me this little smirk. And, and she, she, got, she got winded up to serve, and I got down in position. I was ready, and she served it, and I'll never forget. That ball came in so fast. I was not ready for it. I don't even know if I made contact with it, and I was embarrassed, but I couldn't let her know that. So what did I do? I had to play it cool. You know, I had to go back to my flirtatious trash talk. I told her that was just my warm-up. That was a fluke. I had to give you one, you know, send it back my way. And she did, again and again and again. And you see why I thought that I was catching her eye, really, I think she just pegged me as the weak link on the team. Because I kid you not, she sent five serves my way and her team scored five straight points. Now look, if I wasn't embarrassed enough, I had a teammate walk up to me and be like, hey, do you wanna just step to the side? I'll return the serve and then you can get back in your spot. That was so defeating for me. I was like, here I am trying to impress this girl, and now my team is like, hey, just, just scoot over there. You're, you're all right. But I didn't let that stop me. I still spent the rest of the night trying to impress her, do whatever I could. I was doing the most. And yeah, 
I probably lost every game of volleyball that night. I definitely embarrassed myself and made a fool of myself. Probably let my entire team down multiple times. But at the end of the day, I still married that girl. So at the end of the day, I feel like I won, you know. But like I said, everybody is pursuing something. Not everyone is pursuing the right thing. See, today is December 31st, the end of 2023. And many of us will spend today looking back, thinking of everything that happened this past year. We'll reminisce on the good moments, the fun times, all the moments we shared. And for some of us, we'll look back and maybe 2023 wasn't your year. Maybe 2023 was a rough year. Maybe you had trials or you went through some things and you're ready for it to be over. You're ready for 2024. But you also know that flipping the calendar, changing the date, doesn't change everything that happened this past year. And I know that, in, I know that whatever happens in life, whatever you go through, it leads you to pursue something. Because everyone is pursuing something. So in 2023... What did you pursue? What did you allow these moments, these memories, the things you went through, what did you allow it to let you pursue? Did you pursue God more? Did you pursue God closer? Or did you turn to other things? Did you turn to your career? Did you start pursuing relationships or money? Did you turn to sin or addictions? What did you allow yourself to pursue? If you're unsure, look at where your time went, look at where your money, your energy, your efforts, that will show you what you prioritized and what you pursued. But my prayer for you today is at the end of today that you would begin to pursue the right thing, that you would go into 2024 pursuing God, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your circumstance is, that you would pursue God with everything that you have. So if you'll open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 5. You see, Mark is one of the four eyewitness accounts of the gospel. Mark was a real person in real time who spent time with Jesus. You know, he walked with Jesus. He was one of the 12 disciples. And he wrote down notes and stories of everything that happened when he was with Jesus. And he made the book of Mark. And that is how we get this book. So we're going to open up to Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. See, let me explain that real quick. We'll pause here. There was this woman who was sick for 12 years. If y'all don't understand how long 12 years is, again, like Chocolate Bear said, I'm the middle school pastor, okay? So I deal with all the middle schoolers, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. Most of the kids I talk to on a Wednesday night aren't even 12 years old yet. 12 years is a long time, especially to be sick. I know we get 12-hour stomach bugs and we're like, this is the worst thing ever. Some of us are sick for like 12 days with a cold and we're like, I can't do anything. This woman was sick for 12 years. That's a long time. And it said that she went to different doctors and physicians, and she gave all that she had trying to pursue a cure. She probably tried different medicines, different procedures, all these different things that she tried to pursue in order to get better. And it said it only left her worse. 
The pursuit of this world will leave you empty. You see, the reality is she gave everything she had. She gave all her livelihood and only ended up worse. But how often do we do this exact same thing? Think about it. When times are tough, when things go bad, what do we look to? What do we choose to pursue? For some of us, we pursue relationships. We try and find comfort in someone or something. Some of us pursue money or a career looking for some kind of stability to stand on. Some of us will pursue alcohol trying to numb what you're going through or drugs trying to just forget what's happening. Some of us pursue lust trying to make ourselves feel better about what's going on and who we are. And at the end of the day, what happens is you end up worse than where you started. Just like this woman the Bible says that she gave everything and ended up worse. The pursuit of this world will leave you empty. So we're going to jump back in to, to Mark verse 27 right here. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Did you catch that? I love this verse, verse 27, so much. There's a key part in it that I want you to hear. It says, when she heard Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, not when she saw for herself what he could do, not when she saw some Instagram video or read a Facebook post. She didn't Google Jesus and look up his Yelp reviews to see if he was legit. No, it said, when she heard. Could you imagine the kind of faith that it takes she was desperate. Could you imagine how defeated she must have been? How tired she must have been after 12 years of pursuing cures, pursuing things to get better and only being worse? Yet it said that when she heard Jesus, that she had, she knew that if she could only touch him. See, she had a faith without the guarantee. She pursued without a promise. The pursuit takes an the pursuit takes faith. It takes an unwavering faith. You see, because she didn't know for sure. There's no way she could have known what was going to happen. But she heard about Jesus and she said, I've tried everything else. So I know that I have to get to him. Because I've heard of what he can do. And now I need to get to him. The same thing is true for us. We need to have that kind of faith. When you've been pursuing things and the world keeps knocking you down and you get back up and the world knocks you down again and you feel like you've tried absolutely everything to get better and nothing is working, you have to have the faith to pursue Jesus because he's not just an answer to your problem. He is the answer to your problem. He is not just a solution. He's the solution. So we'll continue in verse 29. Immediately, the fountain of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Also understand, before we continue, what her, the risk she took in this moment. It wasn't that she was just sick and, you know, she could have passed it on to somebody else. You see, it was law back then that if, in, with her disease, she was unclean. So she wasn't allowed to really be around friends or family or anybody who she loved because she was deemed unclean. 
And the law said that if an unclean person were to touch a clean person, that clean person would become unclean. So she was taking a risk, not only pushing through the crowd, but touching Jesus, the risk of making Jesus unclean. But you see what happened was, and we read it right there in verse 29, when she touched Jesus, immediately the blood was dried up. You see, because when an unclean person touches Jesus, that person becomes clean. When an unclean person touches Jesus, that person becomes clean. I don't know what you've been through or what you're going through right now. I don't know if you've walked away from Jesus from 12 years, 20 years. But I'm here to tell you that no matter how far you are, no matter what you've done, how unclean you feel, if you just pursue Jesus, he can make you clean. Because this woman understood that it wasn't enough to just be close to Jesus. She knew that she needed a touch from Jesus. It wasn't just enough to show up on a Sunday morning to church, but she knew she needed to pursue Jesus with this faith that she pursued him with. So continuing in verse 30, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? You see, Jesus was surrounded by these people, a multitude. Could you imagine walking in a group of people, probably getting bumped and touched by many people, and, and asking, who touched me? But you see, there was a difference when this woman touched Jesus. It wasn't just that the healing power had left Jesus. But you see, among everyone who was pursuing Jesus in that moment, she was pursuing him with the right motive. I, I, when I was doing research for this, I looked, and, and this theologian writes about how everyone else that was pursuing Jesus, like we don't know their motive, but we know her motive. And when she touched Jesus, he knew because her motive was right. And we have to pursue Jesus with the right motive. Understand, like I said, everyone is pursuing something. Not everyone is pursuing the right thing with the right motive. Some people may be in here thinking, well, I pursue Jesus. I read my Bible sometimes. I pray every once in a while. But when was the last time you checked the motive of your heart when you were pursuing Jesus? When was the last time that you took a heart check and was like, why do I pursue Jesus? You see, we must pursue Jesus with the right motive. Continuing in verse 32. And he looked around to see her who had done this, but the woman fearing and trembling knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. You see, again, it took an unwavering faith. Like, could you imagine the amount of faith that this woman had to have? In this pursuit, she was desperate. She had nothing else to give. She had nothing else. She had pursued things for years trying to get better and only kept getting worse. But she had a desperation for Jesus. She had a desperation knowing that I need to get to him no matter what. And understand today, church, that it wasn't just her flow of blood keeping her from Jesus. The biggest thing between her and getting to Jesus was the crowd in front of her. 
understand there was a crowd that was keeping her from Jesus. So I ask you, what is that crowd that's keeping you from Jesus today? What is it that's keeping you from encountering Jesus in a new way? What is keeping you from pursuing Jesus? Is it your pride? Is it your fear of man? Fear of what people will think about you or what they'll say? Is it the fear of what God's going to ask you to give up in order to follow him? Is it your sin? Do you have a sin in your life that's keeping you from getting to Jesus? What is that crowd in your life that's preventing you from getting to Jesus? Because you see, when this woman pursued God, she didn't just pursue God like he mattered. She didn't just pursue God like he was another thing that was going to make her better. No, but she pursued God like he was the only thing that mattered. Church, we need to pursue God like he is the only thing that matters. I, again, I don't know what you've been through this year or what you've gone through. But I can tell you that if you pursue God, he puts purpose to your pain. He puts purpose through whatever you're going through. But you have to pursue him with an unrelenting faith that no matter what gets in your way, you're not going to stop. No matter what that crowd is that's stopping you from pursuing Jesus, you're going to look at it and you're going to say, it's not going to stop me anymore. Nothing's going to keep me from getting to God because if only I could touch him, I can be healed. See, what if we stepped into 2024 and we pursued that same way? What if we stepped into 2024 with the mindset that I'm going to pursue Jesus no matter what? I'm going to pursue Jesus no matter what gets in my way because I need to be closer to him. Because he is the answer. The truth is, I know what it's like. I've been there. I've had crowds in my life. Like Chocolate Bear said, I grew up in church. I grew up going to this church. I grew up in a great Christian house with a great Christian parents. But I still have my own crowds. You see, I knew that I couldn't always ride my parents' coattails to heaven. I knew that I couldn't just base my faith off of their faith. I had to start pursuing Jesus for myself. I had to pursue God like he mattered to me. And I'd be lying if I told you that it was always easy or that I didn't fall short sometimes. In fact, I remember when I first started pursuing God for myself, I had to question if I believed what I said I believed because my actions didn't line up with it. Because I, I grew up in church, I knew all the right things. But when I started pursuing God for myself and things got a little more difficult for me, I had to question what I believed because I, because I let those crowds stop me from getting to Jesus. And even now in 2023, I'm married. Like I said, I married my wife. I have two beautiful children. But even now I face crowds. Even now I can get my priorities wrong and I can pursue the wrong things. Sometimes I need to realign my focus on what I'm pursuing. You see, I remember a conversation that I had with my wife this year. And I, and I mean this, hear me when I say that it hit me so deep. Because I, I had a conversation with my wife and she asked me, she said, when was the last time we read our Bibles together? And that hurt. Because I had had my priorities because I wasn't pursuing Jesus that I had had my entire priority list flipped. Everything was wrong because I wasn't pursuing Jesus first. And fathers, 
husbands of the household, hear me because not only did I feel like I failed as a husband, but as a father and a leader of the household. I'm supposed to lead my family and I was failing to do that. I felt like a failure. I felt like I was getting knocked down. But it was in that moment that I pursued God, that I looked to God and I said, help me to love and lead my family the right way. Help me to pursue you the right way. Help me to pursue you with the right motive and to pursue you like nothing else matters. Because the reality is, if you don't pursue God like he matters, if you don't pursue God, how could you ever truly love or lead anybody if you're not pursuing the perfect example of love? If you're not close to Jesus, how could you lead others closer to Jesus?